Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful for what you feel right now? The Spirit of the Lord is already moving here in this place. Amen. You can be seated this morning. If you would join me in the book of Matthew. We'll begin with one verse of scripture, Matthew 22, in verse 8. We've been talking about the parables of Jesus. Uh, First week, Brother Everett taught us the parable of the sower and the importance of hearing and faithfully obeying the word of God. We followed that with the parable of the lost sheep and the need to rejoice when, when such lost sheep are found. Brother Larry so so adequately uh, taught us last week about the parable of the laborers and the call for laborers, the need for laborers to be obedient in this end time revival. And this week we're going to talk about the parable of the banquet. We're going to kind of culminate all of these together and sort of encapsulate what we've been talking about in the last few weeks. Matthew 28 I'm sorry, Matthew 22 and verse 8. The Bible said, Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. The wedding was ready. We're talking about God's grace this morning, sister. (laughs) Sister Donna, yeah, thank you. My mind went blank. That's not good in this situation. Sister Donna, I know your name. I love your family. She, she was talking to us about the grace of God. Uh, I don't know what we would be and what we would do without grace. Grace is for the undeserving. Grace is for the opportunity to, to make it into the kingdom. And so for us to be able to enjoy that grace, we have to live righteously and we must accept that grace, receive that grace. Because something is being prepared. There's something special about being invited somewhere. There's something of an honor to be thought of to be invited to, to a, an event, a special event. And certainly when we're talking about things like this, the, the wedding or a wedding would come to mind. It's a, it's a special event and, and, and love is sort of at the center and it's an important day in the lives of, of two people that are joining together, two families perhaps that are coming together. And to be invited to such an event is, is an honor. It's a special day. These events are surrounded by friends and family. They're, they're, they're surrounded and, 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 and encapsulated with much fare. And they often require the attendees to, to show up and to show up in a certain way, to dress up, to to put on their best, to honor those guests for that event. It's a joyous occasion. Now, 
Take that and imagine that, a wedding, a ceremony. Imagine that you are the one that's coordinating this. Maybe it's your special day or it's a loved one's special day. And you are putting all of this together. You're coordinating and, and diligently working to ensure that everything is just right. You prepare exquisite dinners with all the fixings. Special attention is given to, to making the atmosphere just perfect. The decorations are made and meticulously arranged. The tables are plenty. There's room enough for all. The chairs are set and the guests are ready to be invited. The ambient music is playing in the background. The, the mood is perfect. The guest book is open to page one in anticipation for the very first signature. And no guess. You've prepared. You've, you've invited. You've put much effort into this and no guests. So all that time that went into planning, every envelope that was prepared, specifically choosing out those guests who would receive it only to reach the day of the feast, to have no invited guests in, a, in attendance. The New Testament scripture, it was customary for a king to prepare a great feast for his son's wedding. Many friends and family were on the guest list. Presuming everyone would be delighted to attend, the, the, the king began to prepare a large feast and to do this to accommodate all those he had invited. In our text today, we've read that Jesus is describing one such feast, a wedding. He's describing a wedding day wherein great detail was given to and for a very special union. Matthew 22 and 1 begins, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. The king sent his servants to be honored guests to let them know the food was prepared and the festivities would soon begin, but the servants reported back that all the guests had simply declined the invitation. Perplexed, the king tried again and sent his servants to plead with them to come. Matthew 22 and 4 says again, the, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. He told them to tell the guest he had cooked his best. He had prepared his most beautiful table settings, and everything was perfect. Most of the guests, the invited ones, ignored the servants and simply walked away. However, there were a portion of those that went to great lengths to seize those servants and beat them and kill them. A rather odd reaction to a bid to come to a wedding. Dejected, eventually wroth with the response, the king sent out his army to kill the murderous terrorist who tortured his servants and set their property on fire. As with every parable, we must understand this morning that Jesus speaks 
There is purpose in the parable. It's not just a story to entertain. It's not just a story to, 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 to keep the minds of people entertained. The purpose is to arrest the thinking. His parables are to, to arrest the thinking of the hearer and to reveal central truths about the kingdom of God. I've already said it, but they're not for entertainment and they're really not for historical purpose. Rather, they are to open the understanding, and this is very key, to those who want to understand. They are there, they are told that they are to open the understanding for those who want to hear what the Spirit is speaking. They're not campfire stories. And see, first and foremost, Jesus is demonstrating the absolute importance of the correct response to the gospel. The parable illustrates the dangers of refusing the generosity of God in his call to repentance and the entrance into the kingdom of God. It's the, the call to a feast, a messianic feast, and the invitation to enter into it. He's more clearly revealing himself as the center of that kingdom and demonstrating the result of turning oneself from it. The king calls a feast, but he has no guest. He extends another more personal invitation by sending his servants to plead with those invited guests and then demonstrative, he demonstrates the final act of judgment to their refusal and their ultimate disobedience in killing the messengers. It's a clear picture of an invitation and the gift of salvation. Can I say it like this this morning? It is grace. And so right now, as we speak, we are living in that grace. We are right now in this moment, actively under grace. And we have experienced those, witnessed those people who have declined that invitational grace time and time again. And because we don't see immediate judgment, perhaps even in our own circumstances, we don't see an immediate judgment, an immediate cause to the action. It it. it puts us into this situation that is very perplexing. We are then lulled into this false sense of security because nothing happened. We declined the offer. We, we turned our backs, so to speak. We've seen those who have done the same, and nothing happened immediately. And so it creates in us this mindset or this maybe reactionary circumstance where we are now looking at a situation that nothing happened. And so what would we say then? Is it really grace? Or does grace exist? Hear me this morning. Grace is a space. And that is it. It's a space. It is not eternal. It is not forever. We talked two weeks ago about the love of God, and it is eternal. We cannot be separated from the love of God because God is love, but His grace is not eternal. There will come a final 
judgment. And according to Revelation 20 and 15, it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So for every rejected call, for every act of rebellion, for every slanderous word uttered against God, for every murderous rampage against the elect of God, God will open the book, the invitation, the register, if you will, that book that is containing the names of those who are written in the book of life. He will open that book and the names of those who refuse to come will sadly not be there. They will be missing. And so Sister Donna's already said it this morning. God loves us. He loves us truly. He loves us even more than we could ever imagine. And He wants our names written in this book. It is not His will and it is not His desire that any one of us should perish or be lost. Our best interest is His number one priority. But He will not violate his word and he will not extend his timeline on our behalf there is an invitation it is open ended it has been given but God will not take that one moment past his intended timeline for anyone and therein lies an unavoidable truth we don't know that exact timeline we don't know when that day will come we don't know we can look at this book and we can ascertain certain things we can look at Bible prophecy and we can come up with our own opinions there are multiplicities of them I'm not here to debate to you whether there's a pre-trib or a mid-trib or a post-trib we all will, will at one point draw our final breath and it doesn't matter where it is or what we're doing God's grace will end in that moment and so we don't know his exact timeline and he is in no way obliged to show us that timeline what we need to know is and what we need to be in 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 rapt attention is is that our our is what is most pertinent and that is that our eternal well-being has been sealed and our eternal real well-being has already been revealed this invitation has already been issued his love has already been shed abroad and it has been done by his death his burial and his resurrection we accomplish salvation through his death and his burial and his resurrection can I get a witness this morning salvation is accomplished through our repentance to sin baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of that sin and the promise of his spirit in filling and in dwelling empowering us to live a life that is acceptable to the invitation he loved us enough to die for us. He loved us enough to die for us before we ever knew him. And he loved us enough to die for us before we ever knew we needed a savior. And he loved us enough to become the lamb slain, the Bible says, from the foundation of the world. And so before we even were a thought in the, in the minds of our own parents or grandparents, God already died for us. He already shed his blood for our sins. And so the question remains, Sister Donna, why wouldn't you want to serve a God like that? Why wouldn't you want to accept the invitation of that level of love? 
And so can I just pause here this morning and tell somebody something, whether you're watching by social media or whether you are here in this building under the sound of my voice, no matter what God is asking you to do, no matter what He is calling you to do, no matter what He is asking you not to do, can I tell you this morning that whatever that is, it will all be worth it because His grace is sufficient and His love is enough because He loves you and He wants the very best for you. So it doesn't matter what that is. Whatever it is He's asking me to do or not to do, it will all be worth it. But if you won't, there's somebody that will. Looking around that banquet hall, he saw how sparse it was. Heartbroken, dejected, but he wouldn't stay there long. Suddenly he was renewed. Suddenly there was a glimmer of hope in his eyes. There's still going to be a wedding day, and there's still going to be a wedding feast. He was going to find someone who would be willing to come. He was going to look across the, the vast expanse of where he was, and he was going to find someone who would love to come. He would search high, and he would search low if he had to, and he would find someone who was hungry. Can I tell you this morning that God wants all who come into contact with him to commune with him? That's the whole point. He's calling us to a feast, to sit down at a table and confess and commune with him but unfortunately some will turn their backs and walk away from God and his invitation but I'm here to tell you this morning I'm sitting in a house with some people this morning who won't there's some who won't there's some who won't turn their back the king gathered his servants together and told them that since the guests he originally invited were unwilling to come the servants should go into the streets and find the hungriest the poorest the most destitute and offer them the invitation. He opens now the banquet to whosoever can come, can come. Whosoever will come, can come. He said, go into the alleyways. Go off into the towns. Search the countryside and gather all who will follow you here. He told them to find them just where they are and to find them come on somebody, just how they are, where they are and how they are. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter their background or their station in life or their current circumstance. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't even matter what they're dressed like. Just offer the invitation to come. Brother Larry talked about this last week. Just come. Just come. Just come. The lady at the well said, come. See a man. Just come. Just come like you are. Just come like you are. Just offer the invitation and bring them to the banquet. 
Much to the king's pleasure, the servants were followed by a large, hungry group of guests who wanted to be there. Can I tell you this morning that I'm thankful that there wasn't just a first and only invitation, but there was another invitation. Those that wouldn't come, those that wouldn't show up, those that turned their back and walked away, I'm glad God didn't stop with them, but he offered it again. He went out again. I'm thankful for the second invitation without making any distinction between the open sinner or the morally correct. God opened the second invitation of salvation to the Gentiles. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. After the rejection of the Jews, after they said, we don't want this, he opened it to the Gentiles. That's us. And that's why we're here this morning. And so before we start putting labels on people, before we start looking at people and trying to judge their situation and look at them and see where they're coming from or what their future may be, we ought to take a DNA test. We ought to just look in the mirror and remember where we came from. Maybe you want to get online and Take one of those 23 and me's and take that all the way back to where you began and see that God brought you out and God brought you a mighty long way after a lengthy explanation of all that would be disinherited from the kingdom for acts unbecoming a child of God, for the sinful nature that would bar anyone entry into eternal salvation. Paul just stood firm on his feet and set the record straight when he said, and such were some of you but the operative word is were you were morally corrupt you were unrighteous in in depravity when he found you but not anymore because now you're washed you're sanctified and you are justified by his spirit Ah. Oh, I think we ought to rejoice in that right now. You used to be that. You used to go there. You used to say that. You used to look like that. But now you're washed and sanctified and justified by His Spirit. Come on, let's clap our hands one more time. are saved, we are sanctified, but that does not give us one moment, one ounce of latitude or license to call judgment on any other who are still in that same predicament. We don't know their future. We can only invite. We may not fit all into the same categories. We may not fit into the same high society categories. We, we don't fit in that high society. We may not ever have an honorable mention in Forbes magazine, but there is one thing that we all fit into. There is one category that we all fit into, and that is the kingdom of God. You fit in here. You fit in here. You fit in here. You belong here. I have no disillusions. I know who I was when he picked me up and when he brought me out of darkness. I'm thankful that he is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of passion and purpose and obedience. The king entered the receiving hall where the guests were waiting. And as a custom would warrant, the king offered an exchange of garment. He offered them 
festive robes in exchange for their filthy ones. Excited, they shed their dirty, smelly, worn-out clothes for the beautiful, clean, colorful garments. You see, only the royal family and their esteemed guests were usually in the dining hall of the palace. However, this was a day of changes. An uncommon scenario to have commoners sitting at the same table as the king and his family. But this was his plan all along. You see, Jesus knew who he was talking to that day. He understood who his audience were. He looked across their group and saw the perplexed gaze as he spoke. How could this be? Commoners mixed with royalty? Near to wells associating with well-to-dos? How could these undeserving guests ever be a part of the king's feast? Jesus was slowly and methodically revealing his plan to them, introducing his plan to offer salvation not only to them, but also to the Gentiles. Although the Jews were God's chosen people, this new message for the Jews to consider revealed how God would extend grace further and farther and favor to another people to allow those otherwise undeserving of His grace and mercy to obtain grace and mercy. And so for that cause, we are now well able to accept the invitation given by the King. But this was no ordinary King. No, this was the King of Kings. This was the King of all Kings. His mercy and His grace has been extended to all. Somebody say all. That's A-L-L. All capitals, bold and underlined. It's right here in my notes and that's exactly the way it's written. It's extended to all. To the banker and to the lowly man on the street corner. To the single mother or to the family of five. To the well-to-do or the near-to-well. It is extended to all and when we accept that invitation we are given access because the spirit brother Larry and the bride say come and draws so that we can enter in to the kingdom now we can be called the friends of God now we can become the sons of God because God's plan is that we be in his family this idea that that Jesus introduced to his Jewish audience must have been astonishing to them. The notion that God would extend his mercy and grace to the undeserving was certainly countercultural to them. You see, in their minds, hear me now, they earned their place, they belonged in the king's court. But Jesus turned that kind of thinking upside down he turned that kind of thinking on its head Jesus sat and ate with sinners Jesus reached out and touched the diseased Jesus held conversations with outcasts he did things that would make the common Jewish personally ceremonially unclean you see it was this kind of thinking that they, ve that they vehemently 
avoided. It was this action that they avoided at all costs. You look at the parable of the man who was beaten and left for dead. The priest, the Levite, all went to the other side of the road to avoid the circumstance. It was it was to preserve their reputation as being a practicing perfect Jew, but Jesus showed us exactly what God's grace is designed for. It is designed for the undeserving. Grace is extended specifically for the undeserving. Here are the facts this morning. God is holy and not the holy that we can we can fathom with our own mind. We, we are unable to comprehend with our human reasoning and ability how holy he is. He is the omnipotent. He is the omnipresent God. There is no one beside him. There is no one before him. And there will be not one after him. He is the Alpha and he is the Omega. He is the first and the last. And so no one, no one is truly worthy. We are all undeserving sinners. But we are sinners who have been washed and sanctified by his blood. It is his blood that makes it possible for us to obtain the undeserving grace and mercy that he has extended. We have zero entitlement zero right to any of it and it will never be our righteousness that will do the deal can I tell you this morning bottom line I've already alluded to it but I'm going to just say it outright we don't deserve to be here this morning I don't deserve to be here this morning I don't deserve to be standing behind this desk this morning if you can see where God brought me from I don't deserve to be here but his grace and his mercy Mercy has made it possible. It's by His grace that we are here this morning. It's by His grace that you woke up this morning and drew breath that to be able to be in this house. It is by His grace. And so the receiving hall was filled. It was brimming with chatter and laughter. The king scanned the crowd and everything seemed to be in order. But as he turned to order the dinner to be served, he spotted one thing out of place. He spotted a guest that was still wearing the clothes that he came to the banquet with. This is a serious question. It begs an answer. Why was he inappropriately dressed? Garment was offered to him. It was given to him as a party gift. It was made of the finest materials. In all intent and purposes, it was a perfect garment. Why would this invited guest not wear the beautiful garment offered by the king and choose to continue to wear the old filthy clothes that he arrived in? King approached the guest who was still in rags, Matthew 22 and 12, and he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? He was speechless. The king asked why the man was not in the proper wedding attire. The man just looked at him with no word. Now I want you to just go travel with me in my own way of thinking here for just a minute. 
Not only did the guest refuse to exchange his garment, now he's refusing to answer the king. No explanation. Only a rebellious stare. It is inconceivable, but it is common. Perhaps at one time or another, we've all been guilty, or at least partially, ooh, this is going to hurt, of rebellion. This man answered not a word. If we, not ourselves, perhaps there are some unspotted here. We've at least known or heard of those who rejected him. Perhaps in blaming indictment, they walked away and turned their backs on him without a word, never saying anything. Now, we could be quite quick to pass judgment on those who would reject him, but not God. Not now, anyway. The Bible says that God is long-suffering and gracious. Psalm 103 and 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, so slow to anger and plenteous in Mercy, and so just go with me here for just a second. So for those who have turned away, don't judge the situation too quickly. Because when we judge, the act is final. Leave them in the hands of God. Think about it with me for a moment. We have no idea, the Bible's not clear, how long the pause was. We don't know how long that pause was. A minute? 30 seconds? Five minutes? But what we do know is, is that the king asked first. Judgment wasn't passed on him for what he saw. The king asked first. He asked the question first and then gave room for a response. The judgment was not immediately. We certainly have no way of knowing what was going through the mind of the rebellious guest in that moment. However, what is known for a fact, because we can read it in Scripture, is that God asked first and, re- and, and waited for an answer. And so what we know for sure is that opportunity was in the room. <laughs> opportunity to come opportunity to change and opportunity to respond notice in Matthew 22 and 12 and he saith unto him friend the king addressed the guest as friend the king gave the man a chance to explain his situation and that my friends is grace that is grace but once the king realized the guest had no intention of doing as he wished he passed judgment on the man and had him evicted this proves unequivocally that God goes to great lengths to reach out to every single 
person, even the most undeserving person, can find grace at the table. Even the most undeserving soul can find grace and mercy at Jesus' feet. It is not God's will for anyone to die in rebellion. And it is not God's will for any to perish in their own sin. Second Peter 3, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But God will not violate His own word. It is true, Romans 5 and 20, that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, but there will be an end to grace. As the king clothed his unworthy guests in beautiful robes upon the entrance into the palace, God so clothes us in his righteousness so that we can enter into his kingdom. When we look at ourselves, we may absolutely see disgusting old filthy clothes, but when Jesus clothes us, we are royal. The man in his own filthy rags was flaunting his flippant refusal of grace. He wanted the privileges of the king without admitting he was poorly in need. Can I say it like this? He wanted to experience the royalty of the banquet hall, but on his own terms and conditions. He wanted to see the show, but he didn't want to pay the price of obedience. Grace is meant to be transformed Formative. Grace is not open-ended to say you can live and do and call and whatever you want to do and just everything's going to turn out okay. Grace is designed to give us a sense of gratitude because through His grace, that's what transforms us. When God makes us a new creature, we simply cannot stay in the present state because who would want to? That's the whole purpose is grace is to change the man who refused the beautiful clothes was like a person who refuses grace. But Paul taught it like this. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that we are dead to sin live any longer therein? That's the point of grace is to come out. When God transforms us, we become new creatures. Ephesians 2 and 1 through 8. And you hath he quit who were dead in trespasses and sins where in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince and the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of obedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others but God somebody say but God I'm thankful but God who is rich and mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved that's the whole point of grace is to transform us when we're raised from the dead when Jesus was raised from the dead there was no going back to the grave for him he came out and was glorified and so that's why Paul said therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so if we are dead to sins, we cannot do sin. We are alive in Christ. 
2 Corinthians 5 and 17, I am ending. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, all things are become new. I'm ending. Come on, let's stand together. So in summary, the invitation has been given. The marriage prepared. The tables are set. The arrangements are ordered and the food is ready. The only thing that remains is the response. The gift of grace has been established. It's been provided and it is now available. And so in practical terms, grace is simply a space. I'll end with this. I heard a minister say this the other day and I believe it's fitting. He said grace is time. It's time as we know it. Seconds, moments, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, etc. And so time equals a space of grace for you to decide. All has been prepared. The table has been set. And all of this has been done in time as we know it. But we are not predestined. We don't have a predestination. We are the ones that have to decide in time. The beginning and the end. Grace is the space between. And here's what we know about time. Time is running out. We are not promised our next breath. Only the one that we're breathing in this moment. We are not guaranteed the next second, minute, hour, day, week, month, or year. We're not given time. Only the moment that we are in right now. And we are not guaranteed any more time than what we have right now. And the clock is ticking. And it's ticking. And it's ticking. And it's ticking. And so the question that remains, will you decide to receive what he's prepared or will you turn your back and walk away? Because it all happens in time and it's all a part of his grace. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to accept that invitation, don't you? I want to lift my hands and my voice. I want to offer my life to him, a living sacrifice in this moment right now. And every moment that I draw breath, Lord, help us to do your will. Help us to accept and, 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 and walk into the invitation God that you have prepared for us we know that there is final judgment coming we know that there is going to be a lamb supper we want to be a part of it Lord and so in this moment we are lifting our lives to you asking you Lord to help us to do what you've called us to do and to be what you've called us to be in Jesus name and everybody say amen clap your hands to the Lord one more time and let's shout what a God, what a God, what a God. Thankful for the invitation. Let's come back at 11. There's going to be another invitation to call to worship. Let's worship him. Invite our, uh, greet our guests in Jesus' name. And let's come back and have good church. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.